You're now listening to the Hudson Valley Transmitter Podcast. It's the Ryan Skinner. How you doing, man? Good, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming by. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna throw out a couple words to describe you. Awesome. All right, or or you know the work that you do, and tell me if I'm off base, or if I fuck something up, or if I miss something. Sure. So you're a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, I guess. Director? Yeah. Producer? Yeah. Screenwriter? Definitely. Editor? Film editor? Uh, edit more, but yeah, a little bit. Not not as much, but definitely writer more than anything. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of, you know, like hats that you wear when it comes to making films. Yeah. Uh, tell some, tell the listeners about some of the projects that you do. Well, there's a couple different, uh, like projects I do kind of, uh, with like a few people, like a few, I guess, fellow collaborators, you could say. One is a like very dark comedy mockumentary web series called The Falls, which if you just go to like my, my Twitter is like VR Skinner and you'll see like all the links and stuff there. If you go to YouTube or Google and just type in The Falls, uh, Ryan Skinner, like the web series and stuff will, will come right up. That's like where I kind of wear, like you said, like many hats like it's yeah. writer director camera um i have editors i work with but uh i'm still kind of like you know saying hey move this here etc cetera, etc cetera. they give me plenty of input and they're awesome creative people and stuff too but that's something where i wear like a lot of hats so uh, that's kind of like your baby yeah definitely like we just did two vo- we call them volumes but they're really seasons um yeah. volume three will be up in july and um, again, if you go to like, or like even our Facebook page is just the, is this, you know, the fall series is um, the Facebook. So if you just put that in the Facebook, you'll see all the info and, and stuff like that. Um, but that is like definitely a project where it's like producer, director, writer, showrunner, all that type of stuff. Cool. Um, the stuff that, uh, that uh, I do, which is, it's still a collaboration, but I would say it's more of a collaboration compared to the Falls is the Lilac Plan mm-hmm. uh, shorts that I know you saw a few of, um, which are like very like Twilight zone Black Mirror, um, dystopian alternate reality future where it's just this, you know, kind of dark, uh, you know, kind of grounded sci-fi shorts that we do. And that's on the Nailed It Network, which is a bunch of other shorts on there. Mm-hmm. Or I should say series and shows on there, too. If you just type in the Nailed It Network on YouTube, again, it'll come right up. And you can see all the, the awesome stuff we do. Um, that is way more of a collaboration in terms of, like, uh, I'll write some, but other people will direct. Um, I, I help, you know, there's a show on there, an awesome show called Cure that my buddy Lou Garneri does, and I have helped produce some of that and have, you know, and stuff like that. So that's more of like a way more of like a team approach, I guess you could say. Whereas like the falls is still definitely a team. Like I work with great people and awesome, awesome uh, actors. Um, but that's a little bit more of a one man show type thing. But again, like I still have great editors and, and people that help me out. So it's still, it's still a little army regardless of what you do. Of those words you mentioned, I would definitely put just writer slash developer at yeah. the top of it because producing and directing is all definitely involved uh-huh. but you realize as you go like what you are and what you need to get better at and that's definitely like uh you know the first thing that comes to me is just writer and uh and i guess creator and developer and like all the other stuff i just gotta get you know you continue to get better at and stuff filmmaker is even weird too because it's like yeah there's elements of filmmaking to it but i can't actually show you like 
a 90 minute film even though like the falls like the first volume is 90 something minutes or just shot 90 minutes yeah. and it feels like a film when you watch all eight episodes they're each eight episodes if you were to binge them it feel, feels like a film kind of even though they're broken up episodically um, is that how you so, wrote yeah. it? Did you write it like a, a film screenplay? Yeah, like I wrote it. It was so, like I, the first the season went up in September of 2015. And originally I wanted to put it up at least like a year earlier, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't ready yet. Like it wasn't, most of it wasn't even shot. Like it was just still that process of writing and rewriting and fucking it up and going back and, and what have you. So like there was that process. And originally it was kind of going to be more like just a 90 minute film. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is really a series. It's really a web series. It should be mockumentary style once i realized it was mockumentary style that like kind of unlocked the idea if you will i think it was like that period where you write and you and you kind of have the idea in your head and there's always that one sometimes it's two or three things but it's usually one thing you hit that just unlocks the motherfucker and you're like yes like this is what it should be now whether it's the type of format you shoot it in whether it's putting in a character removing a character combining two characters because you realize this is just the same fucking character yeah um and then you realize, like, yeah, this is this is what it should be, and then it just spiraled an avalanche from there. It's like, cool, now we can do this, and and that, and that honestly, that's the funnest part. Like, shooting's fun, editing's fun, the actual writing process is fun. A lot of it can also be really annoying, but that developing part, whether it's with a, a partner or whether it's on your own, is like the most addictive part. Where you realize when you hit that like that stride, where you realize like you have like a week or two of like whatever you want to call it, like you struggle with it, and then you hit it. And you figure it out, and you un- like I said, you unlock it, and you realize, holy shit, like this is what the project is now. I want to ask you some questions about your writing process, but also, sure. um, can you uh, just give a brief explanation of the falls, maybe the, the plot line or a log line or something like that, so people get an sure, idea. sure. It's it's a it's a dark, very dark comedic uh, mockumentary web series that focuses kind of on some very interesting, odd characters and kind of just a regular crumbling suburban american town that used to make stuff and now doesn't make stuff um kind of like every town yeah. in the Hudson valley or america sure and it's uh it's, you know it's it's it 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 has a lot of uh elements in it of getting over child you know childish you know things and maturing but at the same time not losing who you are it deals with a lot of characters that are kind of like they should be adults, but they're kind of kids deep down. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's them kind of finding their way and realizing, like, I need to get over certain things. The past is a big thing in the falls, getting over, like, past demons uh, and stuff. And really, like, for, through the first two volumes, if you watch them, you'll see, like, there's big elements of, like, getting over childhood-type things, moving on. Um, you know, whether it's someone being obsessed with a girl, someone thinking, you know, their mom left because they she didn't love him or whatever it's it's moving on it's letting go of things and it's also like realizing like you're kind of part all these characters kind of realize they're a part of a bigger community which is really like the backdrop of you know the entire show that's not just their individual you know needs i guess that have to get met constantly they realize they're part of something bigger especially the main character james through the first uh couple volumes cool so when you wrote that as a bigger uh piece what uh, what you know uh stuck out to you that you're like oh this needs to be separate episodes um i think when i it was like 2012 2013 i wrote it and it was like a different kind of show it wasn't a mockumentary yet and once i realized that this should be like a mockumentary and it should be a very grounded dark comedic take yeah that's when i kind of realized like this should be episodic and also too like the bigger thing of like 
realizing this was such a cool little fun sandbox to plan is hard to convey necessarily in a movie where in a movie I think you need like a more narrow focus not always but usually you need like that protagonist antagonist and then that arc and that and the show still has that but if you want to open it up to more characters and stuff episodic is a little better even though it's heavily serialized and not episodic in the sense of like you know a csi episode like it's very serialized and is like does play like a movie but when you have all those characters you realize well we can jump from you know episodes four and five we can hang with these two but the character we hung with in ep three we can go back to in ep six so it kind of feels more like a sandbox universe you can play in the episodic serialized format just lends itself way more to that instead of like hey let's try to do 90 minutes with an ensemble cast which still works i mean that's still there's plenty of movies that that do ensemble but to me it was just like this needs to be broken up into episodes and not to mention it's online and you know it sucks but when you see a video online that's 95 minutes 100 minutes a half hour 40 minutes i think you're more likely to click on something that's 8 to 10 to 15 to 20 minutes or two or five minutes or whatever instead of that you know that really long a chunk of video although that's changing i feel like i feel like you know the internet is i feel like with each passing year i always say this to like the guys i work with like you know on these projects that with each passing year it seems like that gets less and less important because internet is tv now like there could be a five-hour documentary on youtube that if i'm into it i'm gonna fucking watch the whole thing you know like if you're into it you're into it that's why like i try to not pay too much attention to that like if there's an episode that we're cutting like we're just starting to edit volume three now and i know the finale is going to be huge and i'm saying like i don't want it to go above 20 or 18 but then i'm like look if it's 18 to 20 minutes and we're in the finale of a third season and someone doesn't want to watch this then why they just watch three seasons you know what i'm saying at certain point it's like this so is what it is. If it's engaging, people are going to watch it. You don't have right. to. Right. Right, dude. I would recommend that. I, I know, like, you guys, uh, like, if you, like, obviously, people have heard of the Smash Brothers, uh, vid- the video game. Yeah. There's this incredible documentary this guy did. I forget his fucking name. That it's divided up into, like, nine parts on YouTube. Oh, shit. He just followed around, like, these, these Smash Bros. The guys who play Smash Bros. Yeah. These tournaments, they're, they're obsessed. And I think I plowed through it all in, like, if not a night, a night and a half. And, and it's four hours yeah. and, and, and change, I think, if you watch it all together. And I think there is a four-hour continuous cut on YouTube. But it's like, if you get into something... That's true. Who, like, yeah. you're, you're going to go for it. And I think now, like, the whole... And plus, like, it's just... There's other factors, too, with obviously the internet. But it's just... It's phenomenal. And, like, the storytelling online is, like... And between all the different channels now and content providers looking for content and looking for for stuff to put out there and the internet and it's insane you know like it's it, i think that that whole time the, the episode length thing is just changing all the time like it just matters less and less yeah it seems. i definitely agree with that i mean people will sit and watch binge watch a whole season of a show absolutely in a night if you know they really like it so yeah dude i don't think you have to put a time limit on it well, with the podcast i mean we i generally don't try to go over an hour Right. For the same reason, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if someone sees a four-hour thing, it might, you know, in my mind, might turn them off. But I, that might be right. bullshit, too. You know? Right. If the conversation's good, you know, I've listened to a three-and-a-half-hour podcast. Oh, hell yeah. You dude. know what I mean? So I think, yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. If it's engaging, yeah. people are going to listen to it. Yeah, there's always going to be that group of people that I think are not going to – they're just going to be like, look for a reason to not watch something. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, like, if you if you hit it – do it you know like if, if you if it feels like it should be 10 minutes just make the thing 10 minutes and don't worry about it being well i gotta it's also where you pull your punches too like if you're doing a pr- premiere episode of a show 
and you want to get a following and you stick up a three-hour episode or whatever right. than that yeah that might that be might insane be right. but you know it's where you do your punches too if you're four seasons into a show or, or you're making your own deal or whatever don't worry if it's you know five minutes too long unless it, it feels like okay this needs to be cut for story purposes but if it's just placating fast internet crowd then maybe you don't do it you know maybe you just i mean always be you should always be loyal to the story but at the end of the day again it's where you it's pulling your punches where you where you gotta i just read a well not just read but i read a book uh how to write screenplays for profit it's supposed to be for fun and profit <laughs> uh, but the for fun is crossed out and it's by um tom lennon and ben grant the guys from reno 911 oh cool and they actually wrote night at the museum and yeah. uh, some shitty movies like herbie fully loaded but yeah. they wrote a lot of great movies and um it's a really fucking great book actually yeah and um good kind of like beginning guide to to writing a screenplay yeah uh and what do you do you use final draft just kind of a, yeah a, a, dude i've sh- used i've used final draft for since college so forever i've used final draft yeah. and a lot of people use celtics i think um i just love i'm huge when it comes to writing is a huge creature of habit sort of but i just like final draft you know and uh yeah that's what i'll usually use but i mean yeah i'll, I'll check that book out I'm, a, I'm like i'm a big believer in just like the simple basics of of like writing like yeah. if you can make it personal great if not um it should start from a very like organic place it should be something that you know you can't get your mind off of that annoys you that aggravates you um like george carlin had some great line about it. it's like a joke like he was saying like with comedy in general like it's like an it's an itch it's an aggravation it's just something you got to get you know out of you don rickles who just died like said something very similar like it's just something you need to get out of you so if you start from there i think that's a good like starting place the rest people have different process for everything it'll take people yeah. a year to pound out a draft for some people it's two weeks and then just go back and spend six months to a year fleshing it out and revising it um some people literally just write the screenplay or the teleplay or the play to write it you know and then it's like well now someone else go make this where the falls right. and the stuff and i do that too but the more recent stuff is like this gets written to get made usually by me or by a fellow collaborator or whatever Cool. Um, are you from the Hudson Valley originally? Yeah, I was born in Westchester and like the Peaks area, but I came up here when I was like six yeah. to like what the Wappingers, Poughkeepsie area. So yeah, I mean I've lived other places, but originally yes, from the Hudson Valley. Area. And are you? Do you live in Newburgh now? No, I'm in Wappingers now. Oh, you're in Wappingers yeah. now. Okay, for some reason I, I remember you living in Newburgh, or maybe just because we had lunch in Newburgh that time. Yeah, no, my mom. I I, you my mom there. has a business over there. Actually, it's Continental Screen Printing. So if you need T-shirts, I'll do a shameless plug. <laughs> I'll do a shameless plug Go for, for it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean Newburgh ain't far. You know? Yeah, but yeah. What do you think about uh, stuff happening in Wappingers? Are you um, near the village or are you in the town? I'm, on, I'm like right on the board of Fishko and, and Wappinger, right. so I'm more non-villagey. It's weird. I grew up like five minutes from the village, and I I will get lost in the village. Like not lost, lost, but I do not know the village. <laughs> For some reason, I'm like just more of a Fishko yeah. beacon. I know, I know the city of Poughkeepsie better than I do the village of Wappinger. For some reason, I just never go into the village. But I mean, Wappingers, Fishko, they're all. I mean, if you like the Four Seasons, it's a great... You know, this whole area is a great place to live if you like four seasons. Hell yeah. March kind of did. March sucked. Um, March was a terrible month. I thought we were done with winter, and it just yeah. 
it just kicked our ass. But well, we had the variety show, which you were going to come in. Uh, that fucking it. epic uh, yeah. apocalypse had, blizzard yeah. hit. Nineteen and, feet of snow and ruined and ruined fucked everything, everything up. Yeah, dude. but hopefully, uh, we'll reschedule that, man. I don't yeah, know. Uh, do you know what were you going to show that that day? I think we're going to show Barry, which was like the third. Uh, short in that series the lilac plan which is on cool. the nail the network yeah we we're gonna show that um i mean we're trying to work out like the projector stuff and all that so hopefully we can do that because it's not like a lot of fun no, yeah normally march we were out of the I th- we were usually out of the clear yeah. in terms of not getting 26 inches of yeah we got fucking hammered jesus um but yeah when, when we get a, a make update for that i'll definitely mm-hmm. definitely let you know um thanks because yeah i was looking forward to it too um I have another craft question for you before I move on to some other questions. Sure. Do you do an outline when you're doing a bigger piece like the falls? Do you do an outline first and then jump into the screenplay? Or yeah, um, I think with the falls especially, there's like um, like when that that first volume. Once you get into a show, it's kind of like just like breaking the seal, and you get into a rhythm, and you realize, it, and you start to develop a volume or a season then it becomes this then it becomes this and you usually kind of write some stuff down but it usually just gets eventually you think about it so much it just burned into your into your head that you just you know every little beat and then you just start to write mm. and then you write and usually you know you know i would say volume one two and three on average you know were were each episode on average was 10 to 12 pages so you figure eight episodes 90 to 100 pages i mean within a week or two you can get a you can get a draft of those done and then it's just a matter of going back and and screwing with and stuff an outline uh for a screenplay and for a play i i rarely usually do but for an entire season of a show in some form or or another yeah there's some type of rough outline even if it's just in my head before i start to write i like to know with a play and a screenplay there is a mystery to writing where oh my god i thought it was this but now it's this right but when you're dealing with, I think, a whole season of a show, it's kind of like steering the Titanic. You have to do that, like, way. You have to calculate that way in advance. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just, like, just whip this thing around. It's It takes some time. So I'm a big fan of, like, let's have some sense of our end point when it comes yeah. to a season of a show. Especially if it's something I plan on shooting within a year or six months. Definitely. It's like, okay, I would love to put this massive stunt in here. But it, can I pull this off? Or, you know, can I pull that off in four weekends of shooting in November when we might have snow in December? So you're always right. kind of thinking of that stuff in your backhead, which sucks. You you know, there's certain things you should never write like that. But when it comes to stuff that you're trying to shoot, outlining it and all that stuff, very important for sure. Speaking of weather, actually kind of segues into the next question I was going to ask you. Um, what do you think of... The Hudson Valley is a film destination. Is it going to ever be like a satellite of Hollywood or some shit like that? I know they, you know, recently they've been shooting movies up here. Yeah. Um, and and they have for some time, right? Yeah. Like every once in a while, you'll hear of someone shooting in uh, Newburgh or somewhere, yeah. somewhere uh, by maybe New Paltz or some shit. Yeah. Uh, well, a great show to watch. I just premiered as The Leftovers on HBO. I don't know if you watch it, but I it's an awesome show, yeah. fabulous show. And they shot season one 
I think for the most part down in uh, like Hastings on the Hudson and okay. stuff, and uh, or Hastings on Hudson. Um, they were you can see like the Tappensee Bridge in the background. So it's Westchester. Shots. So they shot a lot in Westchester. Yeah. I know Girls, that HBO show that just yeah. ended, shot a bunch of New Pulse a couple years ago. I know they just shot down in Fishkill. I think at like Barton Orchard. That's crazy. Well, I used to live in Brooklyn and Greenpoint. They used to film on my street all the time, mm. and uh, it was cool you know that they were doing the show there but it was also fucking annoying sometimes because i'd want to go home and they wouldn't let me down my own Close street. all those streets yeah. yeah they'd be like you have to go around and be like motherfucker i live on the street yeah like, but uh um, yeah i mean i get i mean i think it is in some respects like if you want um like i'm a huge fan of Mad Men. it's off yeah. there now a couple years i just worship that show and i know an episode took place in kingston i don't know if they actually shot it in kingston for all i know they shot it you know um, I think they shoot basically that entire show in, in in L.A. So maybe they just you know they sh- they took they went up you know upstate somewhere in California or whatever. Um, but you hear more and more about stuff getting shot around here. I yeah. know, was it there? I forget if it's Mary Stuart Masterson or someone opened up a big. I think it's called Film Stockade, um, up in New Pulse Kingston area. I, I, I don't. I, it's it's an actress. I forget her. I forget her name. I'm pretty sure it's Mary Stuart Masterson, but I forget. Um, but I think you see more of that, you know. I mean, I know like there's a there's all kinds of behind the scenes political shit associated with that, like yeah. tax breaks in yeah. New York State for new businesses. If you're above a certain point, they give you ten years like tax free stuff. So I don't know what that. I mean, it'd be cool if you know the area turned into kind of what you see like Georgia doing, which is you know they give you. I think it still stands this way. They give you ridiculous tax breaks in Georgia. You know, Walking Dead. If you ever watched that show at the yeah. end, you know the. They show you Georgia, the Georgia peach at the end. like So you know people are getting their some tax money back. Um, I know they were, they were trying to do that in um, Detroit too, right? At Detroit for a while was doing that. I yeah. don't know if like that's changed, but there was a, at least a year or two where like nonstop shit was getting shot in Detroit. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's changed recently, but I mean, it's it'd be cool. I mean, I think with its proximity to the city, you would think it'd be a no-brainer if you needed, like, how many times can you shoot a fucking sequence in, like, Manhattan and right. see the same building? I, I think the same shit with when you see something shot in, in Los Angeles, you're like, you know, the same commercials, the same TV shows, you just see the same background, you see that same skyline going right. up, like, Mulholland Drive and stuff, and you're just like, that's cool, but fuck, it'd be nice to see, like, you know you know something else so i think it i think it's 100 percent possible you know i think that with the proximity to the city and maybe like the tax incentives that i think still stand you know um you could do some some awesome stuff and it'd be great for the area you know yeah. it'd be definitely great for the area you were talking about the weather though i mean the weather like los angeles is kind of similar weather year round here. yeah this it's a it bit more of a it's a bit more of a uh, temperamental you know yeah you can have i mean last winter you know you know was amazing yeah. you know we had it was like living in north carolina up here we had like basically no snow so yep. like if you were guaranteed that every year i'd say it's definitely a no-brainer but i totally get like unless you need to see snow in your film you know, you would go to some place. Might be a hassle. Right, it might be like a, you know, a thing. So, I mean, it seems like you just hear more and more stories, though, of, of shows coming here to shoot. Um, it's, it used to be films, and now it sounds like my my dad's a big fan of, uh, of Homeland on Showtime, mm-hmm. and they were, like, I think all over this past season. I think it's airing now still. They were, I think they shot a bunch in Cold Spring. Like, you can see, like, Cold Spring all over. Um, again, that might be a thing because... A city thing, you know, again, I, I don't watch the show, but again, like, maybe they're, 
story-wise, you know, it works, but... How does it work with permits? Are they a pain in the ass with permits, certain places? I don't know. Like, some places I've heard horror stories about. Like, I know anything related to, like, if you wanted to shoot, like, uh, in, like, D.C. I know they yeah. can be ridiculous in D.C. with permits. Because um, of all the politicians and shit? I think it's just the government buildings yeah. and certain things you got to look out for and stuff. Um, there's also a lot of, like, myths, too, you learn about, like, permits and shit. Like, you know, like, shooting in certain parks and stuff and, like... Um, you, you know, I think a lot of people think like, well, I can never shoot anywhere. So they like never shoot anything. And it's like in a lot of places you actually can legally shoot, you know, if you're on like public land. But, but again, that's a whole other can of worms. Can of worms. Like technically you can't shoot here because of this building. Or if you get this in the background, you can't show that. And so it's not like you, you know, in theory, you know, it'd be great if you could just go somewhere and shoot. And in some cases, you know, you can, but. It's also like there's just so many little like that. I think that's maybe part of the problem. There's so many little things and and potholes you got to watch out for in terms of like, hey, you could, you know, shoot here in theory, but there's like this law or there's this regulation. Or if you show, you know, if you show this in the background, you can get in trouble or, you know, or whatever. I mean, the falls is definitely done way more like guerrilla style. In terms of like, you know, if I know someone with like some woods that I can use, bam, yeah, where do you, bam, we go there. Where do you, you know? is it different locations? Yeah, there's a bunch of locations we use. I mean, what are some of the locations? I mean, some of the, when we shot all over, all over Wappingers and Newburgh and we shot all over like Fishkill and stuff, um, certain locations doubled for or tripled for, for different locations and stuff. Um, that's just being smart and like planning your, your shit out right and, and all that stuff. Usually it's just people on people's you know property that i know or it's my own you know property that i have access to or whatever you just got to be you know be smart with that stuff and like don't look to be i mean if i had to give like advice just from learning like don't feel like you gotta do it all in the day too like don't don't be afraid to like be smart with like how you like shoot like don't be afraid to be like kind of uh, i don't want to say like conservative yeah. is like the word but like it's so if you have access to like a road or two, you know, you can use or like someone's backyard, like you'd be surprised how quickly you can double and triple that same location for other locations, you know, like max, what I would say, I guess, is maximize your locations. Don't feel like, oh God, we need to now go to like a, you know, you know, the Newburgh Beacon Bridge to like shoot the sequence, like. So kind of plan ahead if you have another scene like down yeah. the road that might have a similar, you know, right? Like you know, need a similar scene or right. background. Do both of them in one. Try to like maximize yeah. like your time. That's like the first lesson is just like you know maximize your weekends and don't jam too much into a day, I guess. But right. but you know try to if you can. If you have an opening with, like, what spot, try to use that. Do you give yourself deadlines of, I need this done by a certain time? Yeah, yeah, I think deadlines are really, really important. Even if, like, you miss them, you at least have, like, a North Star to aim for. Right. And, like, even if you, like, miss it by two weeks, you got your shit done, you know? So giving yourself deadlines and goals is super, super fucking important. Like, and it, it, it sucks, but, like, it's one of those things that, like, can really help with writing and shooting and getting stuff done is, like... I hate to say treat it like a business, but like yeah. treat it like you would treat it anything else in your life. Right. You know, like sometimes like creators and stuff can get way too like, I guess the term would be like mystical. You know, they will, they get too like into like the idea right. and not the execution of it. And it's like, hey, like, you know, treat this like anything else in your life. Like by this date, we want this. By the, And for a lot of people that sucks the creativity and the energy out of it. 
and it kind of makes it less fun. It just reminds them of like fucking college, right? Or like work, and it's like I don't want this to be this. And well, it's like, dude, then I'll never get done. You yeah. Know? Like just treat it like, um, treat it like, a, like anything else in your life. It it's, it sucks, but like, I think that's how stuff gets done. Hell yeah. Uh, what's your background? Did you, did you go to school for film? Um, did you study? I, I actually I went to 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 Lords to high school there yeah. in Poughkeepsie, and then I went to Duck just for two years because mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to do. Um, they have a great com program. They have an amazing com program. Yeah. I'll definitely do some shout out to them. Um, I don't know if he's still there, but Camilo Rojas, yeah. who uh, who to- taught there, and is I guess you could call him like a mentor of some kind. Is a great guy, great dude. Did like worked like miracles with that program. Like for a, for a community college to have the stuff they have. Like nothing but like, like love and and admiration for that guy because he him and the and people his little army around him did an yeah, amazing there's job. Another professor, I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, I'm trying to think of people that they might not be there now because yeah. I went there years ago. But uh, Juan, Juan, Gar- yeah, Juan yeah. Garcia, Juan. who is uh, also great, great dude. Um, I went there just you know right after high school because I knew I wanted to get into like film and writing and TV and stuff, but I just had no clue what avenue that was. And within a, a year of going to Duchess, I realized I wanted it. Want I needed to be more like the writing side of yeah. things. Like it needed to be still directing and all that stuff, but I knew I didn't want to work camera too much, even though I worked camera plenty of times on for like the falls and other projects. Um, it had to be some type of writing stuff. And within a year, I was like, I started applying to writing programs. And I got into Purchase uh, College's writing program. I actually oh, applied cool. for film. And they, I sent in, like, screenplay samples. And they were like, look, we're not going to take you for film. Really? But we're starting a screenplay uh, conservatory. It's really just a writing conservatory. Hmm. And we'll take you for that. And, I and was, that's strictly writing for film or writing short stories and other types of writing, too? Writing for film, plays, and for TV, but okay. mostly for film and plays. And I almost went there just at doing a, just a year at Duchess. I oh. went right to Purchase. But I was like, I just might as well just hang around for the second year at Duchess, get my degree, and my associates in communication, instead of just basically having this year. I mean, Duchess has like a legit studio. I I was there for one year and I took one con class. Um, it's, yeah, but it was it was really fucking impressive. What shit they have. When I went there, they were just starting. I think that kind of like I don't know what you'd call it, like Renaissance period of getting like amazing gear. Like I went there. Um, in oh, 2000, 2002, and they were just starting. Like, Camilo, I think, was just starting to bring a lot of that awesome stuff online. And you could sense it. Like, there's this is, like, a cool place. And I met a lot of, like, awesome people um, who, like, I you know, I, I work with and still do stuff with today. Um, and that was the main reason I stayed that, extra, that second year at Dodgers. Not just to get my degree, but because it was like, look, you've started this. Like, just get your degree and then... After that, I went to purchase right. and just focused on more writing, um, TV writing and playwriting. And how was the program of purchase? Would you say awesome? Yeah. I loved it. Like I got really lucky. Like everyone, I I have so many friends that hated college and like loved high school, and I was kind of the opposite. Like high school was was cool, I guess, but uh, like I just love uh, like the collaboration environment and what have you. And like purchase was really small. It was a conservatory, so really small class sizes, at least for the writing classes. So you would have like you'd be you and like junior senior year was like you and 10 other people in the teacher and you would just it was like a writer's room you know like on a tv show some, sometimes and a lot of people i know went there didn't like it i i loved it you know like cool. the great teachers and te- not just that but teachers that were professionals at what they did so like they would give you great like you know great advice and stuff um 
But yeah, Call of Duty was great. And yeah, Duchess, I think now is... I know where when I left, they were starting that ascent. of the, When I was there, it was great. But yeah. you could tell they were they were really building something like special there. I was there you know? not around the same time you were, uh, probably 2003 or 2004. I, t- I, w- I did a year at Duchess. It's my second year of college. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I, again, I had nothing but great things to say. I, the the yeah. room where they film and shit and the stuff that you can rent out and the sound studios and yeah. the the whole setup i was just blown away by it. i thought it was fucking yeah, really good they do great stuff there and again shout out to all like camillo and all those guys like i think camillo is still there but i'm not sure but he'd be a great person to actually have on this thing hell yeah i would like yeah. i would like to connect with him but yeah he's great um tell me or tell us a little about a little bit about nailed it productions yeah it was nailed it productions we just like um we just like kind of rebranded it like the nailed it network nailed um, the network again right. if you just put that into youtube it'll come right up um that i started with two friends of mine lou Gornari and keith reynolds who are like good friends and i used to work um with lou and we did like I think we just wanted to start. We were all kind of in the same boat of like, we have, like I were saying before, you have these ideas in your head. Yeah. You write them and you just want to get them out of you. So like, you know, I wrote a bunch of stuff. He wrote a bunch of stuff. And the main things we have up there now were the Lilac Plan uh, sci-fi shorts, which are basically like, again, Twilight Zone meets Black Mirror-ish. Yeah. They all Th- kind of take That dial is part of Lilac Plan, right? Yeah. yeah that was really cool. Yeah, there's three up there. It's just going to crack this little. Sure, bro. It's dial uh pure and berry that are kind of the first run yeah you know, that's what we call it phase one and then like we're shooting hopefully phase two late summer early fall and we'll be new ones up cool so you have those um, written already ready to we have two out of the three written but they still got to get a lot done to them they got to get revised a bit and then we're working on the third kind of all of us together and then we're going to try to sh- hopefully get all three up before the end of the year at least one one or two up before the end of the year um and those are just kind of like grounded sci-fi, like I was saying before, like very like Black Mirror-ish, Twilight Zone, kind of anthology-style shorts. But they kind of connect, though. Like they connect. Uh, they're in the same universe, so you'll see like little connections between each of the some of the stories and stuff. But yeah, that was a lot of fun to shoot. Dial we shot first, then Pierre, and then Barry, and they each kind of get bigger in scope. And we kind of see them as being just put out in sets of three. Like I'm just a big fan of that kind of format. You know, put out three um, one at a time and then kind of stop, reset, write some new ones. I have a million, like, other scripts I wrote that kind of go through this process where I'll send it off to Lou and Keith and they'll look at them, revise them, we'll see if, like, like what works, what doesn't work, and then you just keep writing more and, until you find that, like, kind of that arc you want to, you know, that arc you want to do. In terms of other stuff on Nailed It, uh, there's uh, a bunch of really funny shorts we're about to hopefully this summer launch, like this little sketch series we're doing. Uh, but the main thing on there, at the right at the top, if you go there, is this really cool series called Cure that Lou created. That's a lot of fun. The first four episodes for season one are up, and then the next four episodes will be up uh, during the summer. So I watched some of the teasers for that, and it seems yeah. like there's some kind of creatures right in the woods that yeah. are attacking. Yeah, it's it's basically like a post-apocalyptic yeah. zombie tale, but it yeah. was like a it's it's more of a focus on like the people on the on like on like the cure. That's why the name of the show is up to call Cure. Uh, that they're trying to like uh, and just trying to you know survive and stuff and it's a really cool show um and lou wrote that that when i first met him he was i think it started writing that so cool there's a lot of awesome stuff to check out and subscribe and share on that and for the falls too so um 
Yeah, if you go to um, the R Skinner uh, is the Twitter for me, and then like the Fall series is the Facebook. If you type in the Falls Ryan Skinner or nailed it on YouTube, it'll all of our stuff will come right up, and there's a lot of cool stuff on there. And it's just fun to make stuff, you yeah. know. Like as you know, like you know, making stuff and, and building something is just you get addicted to it. And even if like it's not like what you want it to be right away, just like start, and that would be like you know the one like the lesson that keeps getting reinforced year after year is just keep just keep at it because you're not gonna aim for perfect but if you don't hit it just keep going yeah because you can hit pause once in a while someone told me this once and i think it's very true you can hit pause once in a while but don't hit the stop button because hitting play again can be very hard you know yeah for i mean for me absolutely i try to write every day a little bit each day yeah. I, I don't always do it uh you know sometimes i'm lazy but 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 that is really that and music is really kind of the catalyst of what i don't want to say makes life worth living but it makes it a lot brighter you know, yeah to express myself in that way that otherwise i wouldn't be able to i don't know how else to describe it it's yeah it's something that gives me enthusiasm and joy in life, and I feel almost bad for some, like people that don't have something like that that they could yeah. have a creative outlet in that way. You know what I mean? So yeah. I totally get what you're saying, and uh, yeah, it's it's important to keep going with it. Yeah, you know, hell yeah, like you fucking just can't can't stop. Yeah, and, dude, and you know, hopefully you know it becomes a process that you get addicted to. Yeah. You know, like it becomes a process that um, if you do it, I think the right way, you. Uh, you know, you won't want to necessarily stop. Right. You know, you'll keep, uh, you'll just keep at it. Hell yeah. Um, how old are you? I'm 48. 48? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Damn. You look young for 48. Yeah. No, I'm 35, dude. I'm 35. 35 going on 15. So, yeah. So, we're like basically the same age. I ask a lot of people, because our generation seeing things change. In terms oh, of the God, internet, yeah, yeah. but uh, and especially the entertainment industry, like you know, I talk a lot uh, with musicians that come on about how that's changed. But I wanted to ask you about how technology's affected film in a couple of ways. Uh, first, do you think in like a decade there'll be a movie theater? Um, I don't know. I just I just heard this interesting quote, like. I heard it a while ago, but then someone said it again, and I think it was like Spielberg and Lucas were saying that the current format for like movie going is either going to change or just straight up go away. Like you said, theaters just might go right go the fuck away. Um, it feels like with theater, like the one thing that uh, with going to the movies that has changed big time in our lifetime is, um, you know, these just massive tentpole franchise films yeah. that i think are the reason a lot of movie theaters are still in business but like you know you go to like the regal at the gallery on a friday night most nights in the parking lot especially in the summertime it's pretty packed yeah um but at the same time it i don't know it's almost like kind of like a drug that i think they need to wean off of like it's like a a drug addict that like you know you want to get them better but it's like you worry about them going through with the draw so like these yeah. 10 pull franchises are like giving these theaters a lot of foot traffic and revenue and they make all their you know money through concessions and stuff but it's like 12 dollar popcorn and other any dollar bottles of water yeah. or what have you um but that 
uh, you worry if it's eventually just going to be like a saturation, oversaturation thing where it's like one day people are just going to check out of these. But I've heard that forever about Marvel too. Like this is the movie that'll finally bomb for Marvel. And it's like, nope, like these movies keep making That's shit tons of money. So many of them, right? Yeah. And look, like a Marvel movie, like most of those movies are fun. I'm, I'm, I'm the first one in line on, you know, on a Thursday night or a Friday night, you know, like those things are, are awesome and they're fun films. Um, the only thing that I feel like has changed in our lifetime is like it feels like the 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 diversity of films in terms of like you know like it felt like back in the day growing up in like the nineties early two thousands there was like a big superhero movie or two right. every year or two and you had this great variety of like you know film you know you had like a it felt like there was like your Oscar season your summer films then there was like this weird mix of other films in between where now it just seems like. The summer season almost starts in March. Like, you had Logan out the first Friday right. in March, which was still an awesome film, but it's like, it's almost like summer starts in March. It goes all the way through to like October. And you have a month or two of some pretty good Oscar movies, maybe, if you're lucky. And then, you know, you know, a pl- shout out to Upstate Films and Rhinebeck. Yeah. I'm, I'm always up there, and I feel like that's where you go to see now to see, like, not that films that play in mainstream theaters are, are bad. Or Downing? Do you ever go to Downing? I went there, I think, once okay. to see something. I forget back in the I, day. I haven't gone there, but I, you know, I know it's it's in the vein of an upstate films where they play yeah. films from mainstream theaters don't play. Yeah, and like it's, I feel like a, like a lot of the like I feel like Regal might be getting better because I feel like there's a lot of times I'll go to upstate with my friends to see like a movie, and then like two weeks later it's in Regal for like a yeah. week. And and um, but I love going up there just because it's Friday, it's different, and I love Rhinebeck and stuff. But it does seem like you get in our lifetime the the one thing that has changed is you have to kind of seek out uh the 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 quieter subtle better films like there was a great film that came out last year uh that did get a lot of oscar love called uh called room i think with brie larson that was amazing amazing film that i that was in mainstream theaters but it did feel like you kind of had to seek it out a lot uh there was another great film that i saw it up to called 45 years that was great that i don't think got any mainstream play that was amazing that i feel like you know a friend of mine does movie screenings in his backyard a lot, and cool. he, he always does like these. Uh, these uh, he plays like '90s films because we both were '90s kids. Um, his name's John Morrison. Shout out to John. Um, and he, uh, we always talk about how like how many times you see these movies. Like he'll play in his backyard, and we just always like we always have the same conversation. It's like these films would never get made today. Like never, like would, I don't even. Not only would they not get made, the screenplays aren't even written for them. Yeah. Like, like I don't even think a screenwriter is attempting to write like a movie like Face Off. Not that right. Face Off is like the holy grail of filmmaking, <laughs> but it's a fun, cool yeah. action movie that's not based on a comic, a novel, a TV show. It's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's not a soft reboot. It's just a movie someone thought up in their fucking head and wrote, and it got made. Um, I want to ask you about that though, you know, because do you think the the industry or the uh, the major filmmakers are losing money, so they're not taking chances on movies, and they're staying and they're playing it safe with sequels they know are going to make mo- money for and sure, the, and the, the fucking action movie, you know, hero movies, which a lot of them are really cool, yeah, but they know it's a kind of a sure bet, you know what I'm saying? They're right. not really taking a gamble on like an Arnold Schwarzenegger 
fucking yeah. thriller or escape from LA or some shit like that where it might do okay or it might not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the temple franchise thing is so much easier for a movie executive to say yes to because saying yes to Thor five, right? You know, as much as I like the Thor movies, yeah. like it, you know, they know it's kind of a sure bet. To some and degree. and if it tanks, that executive can always say, well, Thor one, two, three, and four pulled in one hundred and eighty million opening weekend. Right. That's their defense against that. Um, and again, going back to the fist off thing, it's not even like every movie in the nineties was great. There was plenty of shit, but it was like these films, you just look at the lineup of films and it was like, wow, like there was some, like I said before, like a variety and diversity of ideas that weren't narrowed into this kind of soda straw view of it's based on something. It's has a comic book, you know, it's not an ancillary deal. It's not a property Disney or Warner Brothers already, already owns. It's it's this unique idea. A, a guy in a loft in Valley Village in Hollywood fucking wrote on his wrote on his fucking laptop, you know, on his compact brosario, whatever the fuck, back in the nineties. <laughs> pitched it. It got made, yeah. and you know, and now that movie's probably gonna get rebooted or <laughs> whatever the fuck. Um, but that's cool, man. We always talk about that. It's like you know, there's so many movies you look at, and you're like, like The Rock for a great example. I don't want to keep bringing up action films, but it's like. Or even like a movie like Demolition Man, yeah. which like pretty cruddy movie, I guess. But you look at that movie and it's like, that's like, you know, a pretty awesome concept, which correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it's based on anything. It's not based on a video game I, or a comic book or anything. Or, and it's just a cool movie someone thought up in their brain. And, you know, so it's just alone. And Spencer Stallone came in and made it an action movie and stuff. But, like, that's a great, you know, basic, that's a cool idea, the basic concept of that film. Um, I think a lot of those guys who, you know, like you were saying, a lot's changed in, in our time. A lot of those guys who are writing or would have written, like I was saying before, that, that movie isn't even getting written now, are just either going into, into TV Right. Um, That's where the money is. They're, right? right. I mean, they're going into TV. They're writing stuff and just putting it out themselves online. They're writing video games, um, and they're just kind of like they, I forget who said it. There was there was a few great articles up in the last like couple of years about it. How like the independent that independent boom in the mid to late nineties of like Fargo and all these independent films. Those guys all kind of gradually stopped making movies. And just started making TV, like, you know, like the Vince Gilligans of the world who did, like, Breaking Bad and stuff. Uh Like, you could see them in the 80s or 90s if there wasn't all these cable outlets and platforms, you know, looking for content. You know, he could be just writing screenplays. So in some weird way, I think it's great in that there's just more and more outlets for these guys to go to. You know, they write video games, web series. Um, They kind of become their own machine. Maybe that guy... Who was going to write that? Who would have written a, like that screenplay now that doesn't get made anymore? Is maybe you know not rolling in it? Doesn't have five, ten, fifteen, plenty, you know, fifty million plus dollars to his name? Right. But he's his own machine now. He's making stuff that he just wants to make, which in some respects is awesome. Like it's sad the movie industry doesn't make the movies I guess they used to in some respects. Maybe it'll change. Whatever. But that stuff, like the river always finds the ocean, whatever the fuck the saying is. Like yeah. that stuff, those creators will find a way. And they, they'll they go to TV. They'll go to other mediums. They'll go to the web. They'll go to video games. They'll just start it write, writing graphic novels. Yeah. Um, they'll be their own machine, which I think is fucking awesome. 
you know, it's cool. There's like the gatekeepers aren't really there anymore. Like they are there. Yeah. And it's just one more option to say, Hey, I'm going to try to pitch this fucking show to Warner brothers or HBO or whatever. But if you don't get it picked up, you know, I mean, I believe Louie, you know, Louis CK show Louie, which I don't know if it's ever going to come back, but I think the budget on that was like 200 grand. So it's like, fuck man, there's a million Kickstarters out there now that have, yeah. that are looking for way more fucking money than that to make right. a show. So it's like, not that 200 grand grows on trees, or that's no, you know, no money, but it's like, you can go start building your sandbox, like, now, you know, like, there's no reason to, like, wait anymore, and I feel like that's the the benefit, and that's the thing that's changed the most in our lives, is, like, you know, all these other platforms are out there with the internet, with what have you, with Netflix, I mean, even if it's just you putting shit online yourself, right. and it gets noticed, or you get to monetize it, or you just love fucking doing it, and you gotta work a day job for all and keep making it, you're gonna be way more happier being your own machine, Instead of trying to like write that script and try to get it someone to greenlight it, even though that's still great and I still attempt stuff like that, it's just more. There's so many more avenues now and venues to do stuff. And um, is that the catalyst for doing it yourself DIY to basically get it picked up, or is it is it um, possible to make money doing it? making your own films and putting them online or your own show yeah i think it's all the above i think i think the 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 lowest rung on like the like the low i guess i don't know what you would call low hanging fruit or the easiest thing to do is like just start making stuff right and if you got to work that other job while you do it fine the second tier would be holy shit this is getting a following we can monetize this somehow we can do ancillary stuff for you know we can do merchandise for whatever the fuck and you can make stuff that way. And then maybe even above that or right along with that would be someone sees it and says, hey, this is great. I want to give you X, Y, and Z to make this with like a proper budget and what have you, what have you or whatever the fuck. Um, and then maybe it gets picked up. Maybe it goes to a bigger platform. Maybe it goes on a network. Maybe it goes on cable. But again, as you approach those rungs, you never want to be afraid of success. But as you go up that ladder, you want to make sure that idea that you built and your machine doesn't become someone else's machine now look we live in a in the real world like if you have an idea that's awesome that someone wants to buy from you you know maybe you say hey look i'm gonna give this idea but i'm gonna take that money and i'm gonna funnel it into this other idea i have and actually build that on my own and control that so there's a million permutations and variables and and all that shit but i would say like if you want to start making stuff we live in an age now like we were just saying the stuff that's changed for us the most is you can be your own machine like you don't i mean you don't, and you don't even need like you need good equipment, and you need to know what you're doing. But you know, you can shoot so much awesome stuff on not the greatest equipment in the world, and just start getting better, even if it's not like you know, you know, Academy Award winning level cinematography. Just start and just get better and better and better. And well, with you know, the the technology we have today, I mean shit like think about like citizen kane and shit that they were using back then i mean yeah what we have today has got to be light years ahead of like a fucking iMovie app you know yeah alone you know what i'm saying like yeah i wanted to ask you about that too in terms of technology have did did you film on tape and i know you probably film on digital right now and do you have a preference like for example with music a lot of people gravitate towards um, analog recordings because yeah. it, it's more soothing to the ear. People have done studies and shit like that. You know, they just think the quality is better. Yeah. The digital is a little harsher or something sure. like that. The levels, you know, even subconsciously. Uh, so I was just wondering if you had a take on that in terms of uh, new recording equipment versus old. I mean, like I said, I, I definitely like him just way more of a 
like I've gotten way better with a lot of technical stuff, but I really am like more of just writer developer and the technical stuff I, I have to learn just because I have to learn it and I'm yeah. trying to get better at it. Everything I've done in the last like three to four years is all like memory cards, digital, all that stuff. Um, back in the day, like when I first started just fucking around with like cameras and stuff, it was all on tape. And again, that's one of those things that has changed in uh, our time is just digital everything, which I mean, Tarantino's done a million interviews about how like, you know, you don't want to lose that that certain film feel. And it is cool. Like I said, again, a shout out to Upstate to go up there and see actually a film get projected onto like a wall is, is, is great. Um, but I mean, the whole digital thing just makes life so much easier for so many reasons. Um, you know, it's just, even if you do lose something in the transfer, I just feel like it's like the internet in general, like the positives far outweigh yeah. any negatives, you know? Well, I think even to the drive-in in uh, Hyde Park, they switched to digital at some Did point. Did they? Yeah. I just drove by there and I, and I know they're opening up, I think like this weekend and I used to go up there all the time. That kind of sucks, I guess. I mean, it was, I mean, I remember seeing so many movies back there, like uh, back in the day up there. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the technology has changed so much. I remember like too, like you'd have a date or something you go to blockbuster and rent a movie and get popcorn and shit and that was like a whole night i think you know even with apple tv and all the shit you could watch from home and youtube and whatever i think people are still gonna have an urge to like go out on a friday night yeah. or a saturday night like i don't know if that will end with our generation which yeah, is because we're used to that yeah but you know i think it's something like like you said, the movie theater, you know, is still kind of packed on the, you know, in the fucking parking lot on a Saturday night or whatever. You know, I think people still want to do something, have a date or fucking get out of the house a little bit. You yeah, know what I mean? dude. Be human beings. I, I think that's the saving grace. Like we're talking about, will films like the film going experience ever go away? And I think that's the saving grace to like going to the theaters. Like, I mean, I mean, I know when I go to like the theater and it's like, it could be like just a fun popcorn comic book Marvel movie. And, like, if it's a packed house, like, I mean, like, Star Wars last year. Star Wars is a great example. Like, there is nothing like walking into a theater for a fucking Star Wars movie. Regardless <laughs> of what you think of, like, the new movies or whatever, like, you walk into a packed Star Wars, like, theater. And, like, for episode seven, two Decembers ago, like, when the Lucasfilm thing comes up and it fades down. And you see a long time ago. And there's that, like, there's that long pause on black. And then, bam, the Star Wars logo comes up. And that place goes nuts. There's still nothing fucking like that. And again, that's the, one of the benefits of, like, yes, these 10-pull movies can get annoying and oversaturated and whatever, but, like, there was still nothing like a communal experience yeah. with other people um, in a theater when the lights go down and you drive there, you wait in line, you see 12 trailers, you know, and then you, you, you gradually get hypnotized into that. The lights go down a bit more. And then, like, again, Star Wars is a good example. And that's that, that, that John Williams music cue comes up and you see the Star Wars come at you and everyone erupts. Like, it is great, man. Like, it is, like, awesome. And, like, as, again, as much as those tenpole films might be, like, they might get annoying in terms of, like, squashing the other smaller great films, you know, fuck like it is it is great and i think like you said like on a friday night it's like yeah you can you know you can do stuff around the house but it's like nothing beats and it's crazy because i know so many people that just they never go to the movies right. like ever because again i think it's just you know within three months six months max that thing will be on, on itunes on whatever you'll be able to watch it in the comfort <laughs> of your own home with you know some some with a butt with some pizza or whatever and that's great too that's phenomenal again like the the negatives come nowhere close to the positives the positives far outweigh any bad shit but yeah like there's nothing like um uh, 
it's just that whole communal experience, whether it's seeing a play or a movie, where like you you feel it, you can feel like you when you you know when there's a moment when you get you get it right alongside, like like Rogue One, like at the end, I assume you saw Rogue One, yeah. where like Vader just shows up at the end and just starts fucking massacring people, <laughs> like dude, like that was like you could feel that in that entire theater which was sold out was just was on fire you know and you and and that to me is like yeah i i I hope like people don't lose out on that because that's like you know it's a special it's special as fuck you know it's great yeah no i agree um in DVD, I say, I call myself saying DVD. I feel like that's something that's probably not. Yeah, dude, we're old. Yeah. We're old, man. I still I still say DVD sometimes. Yeah. Um, I used to buy DVDs and Blu-rays all the fucking time, and yeah. then when you all of a sudden put a fucking Roku box in your, or you or you or you watch stuff through your PlayStation or through your Xbox or whatever, you realize why do I need this this yeah. plastic box? You know that I just have to lug around with me every time I move or whatever the fuck. Exactly. Um. But I, that's another thing too. I know people that that they also just buy Blu-rays because it's that ritual of like the Blu-ray and you unwrap it and like you fucking put it in and the quality is so much better and stuff. But even that, I feel like it's changing. Like I watched, I think it was House of Cards last year or two years ago, and like the quality on some of those streaming services is like only getting better and better and better to where you're like, holy shit, man! Like I, I know plenty of people can tell you the difference between that and like a Blu-ray. If I looked hard enough, I probably could, I guess. But at a certain point, it's like this is i don't need to lug this fucking thing around with me you know it's the quality is if not comparable right there with it and it's like what i need to buy like a blue i mean go to best buy you know go to any best buy around here and i feel like that blu-ray section just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and you know in some respect like again that's one of those things growing up where it's like i couldn't wait for that thing to come out like i remember when dark knight came out on blu-ray me and my friend and my brother ran up to like best buy at midnight to like go get that i think that and like the fourth season of lost came out on blu-ray yeah. in the same night and it was like fuck i gotta go up yeah. there and get that and that's cool as shit man that's another one of those vader star wars moments right. too where it's like that shit's still cool um but the internet is just kicking everyone's fucking ass and again i think the positives are way better than you know the negatives cool you talk about some of those special memories that you have, like going to buy a late night DVD or going yeah. to the movies. Um, what are some movies that inspired you? Uh, well, I know there was a bunch. I mean, I could tell you the TV shows real quick. I mean, like growing up, like Batman the animated series in the yeah. early to mid nineties. Uh, oh yeah, that was kind of a darker cartoon. Yeah, movie. dude, yeah, dark, kind of geared towards adults, but yeah. still had like some kid stuff going on, especially in its later run. That completely changed my fucking life. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was, like, 11 to f- 13, 11 to 14 watching that show. Incredible. That, The Simpsons, um, Sopranos, and I think Mad Men would be, like, my Mount Rushmore of, like, just TV. That's just amazing cool. and addictive and shit. In terms of movies, like, I mean, there's a million. Like, I remember growing up, my dad would always, like, show me, like, older films. Like, not old, old, but, like, the, I remember, I think, I think if you go into my room, like, I still have, like, the godfather trilogy on like vhs and then next to it like is like on dvd and then if you go to like another corner of a shovel you see it on blu-ray so like every incarnation of that i think like i have because like that was one of the first serious films i think growing up that like uh like i got into just the epic fuckingness of those movies and just like especially the first two are just like insane like lawrence of arabia probably my favorite movie ever it's you know um love that um 
kind of like our like growing up in the 90s some 90s films that were like yeah i want to go make movies saving private ryan i think i saw it like five times in the theater like i love that movie american yeah. american beauty that's awesome um, you know love that movie those were the first few there it's like holy shit like movies again that might be an example of a movie that i mean they're making dunkirk that's coming out this summer um maybe saving private ryan is way harder to get made than you know uh now than it was in the late 90s like i don't know like it's based on a fictional story but it's still obviously based on real shit with world war ii and what have you um so there's that so yeah it probably would have got made today but again it's one of those things like shit you wonder how many films in the 90s that that impacted people will just never see the light of day now like i said i don't even know if like the screenplays probably aren't even written for them just because it's so you know tent pole uh you know oriented with, with that but that was that, that was definitely one of them i'm trying to think of other ones too um you know god i mean i loved uh, braveheart growing up oh, like yeah. there were so many movies like uh i mean heat is another one like anything it's like awesome anything 90s scorsese because then that's when i was starting to just watch like kind of more adult oriented like films like stuff that like okay like when you're 10 you can't handle this but when you're 13 or 14 maybe you can like goodfellas casino yeah um you know and again you you would love to think those movies would still get made today but again i think they are in some form getting made they're just on tv you know like somehow the simpsons stood the test (laughs) of time they're still being made (laughs) you know i I said this to my friend because like around 2002 or three i think i officially like stopped watching the simpsons um i told my friend this because we're both huge simpsons fans and i was like you know i watched i could probably tell you verbatim you know every episode line of dialogue from seasons like <laughs> one to to eleven and it hit me they're on the verge of hitting like season 30 so yeah. i consider myself a simpsons fan and i've seen 30 percent of the simpsons that just tells you how long they've been on the air and that there's it's 20 seasons right, right. Yeah. there's like 20 seasons of simpsons that like i just checked out of and i've heard it's gone through like ebbs and flows like like the first like seasons one through ten or, or two through eight or whatever probably considered like the golden age of that show and it's gone through you know good times bad times whatever i mean just the fact that it's still on is fucking amazing and a testament to them but it just hit me like yeah that show's been on the air so long i consider myself a fan of that show and i've seen the first 10 seasons of 30 now almost and i haven't seen the remaining 20 so maybe i'll go back and you know watch all of them one day but yeah the, i mean the simpsons are the best has anyone ever called you mr skinner as a joke all the time <laughs> principal skinner uh seymour skinner yeah all the time um are you so are you making the shows right now as a full-time job do you have a day job what are you doing to get by i like when i graduated college i worked like for this company that did shows for the food network and like i paid off my student loans bought like a new car i did that for like three years and change three yeah. and a half years i just saved some money and then i went out to la for like a year cool. and i bef- when i was working that job i started taking trips out to la just to travel and also to just get a better sense of like the business and to get into the habit of writing and pitching stuff right and i lived out there for a year um moved back to the east coast to work for any television uh-huh. and just again banked a lot of money saved a lot of money and i was like okay i'm when i moved back um, it was like a big kind of like shot in the arm and it was like I'm just going to start gradually starting to write and make stuff that I want to make and not necessarily wait on validation from someone still right. you know like I still pitched up I still try to bring shows and out there and still try to network my ass off with right. people in LA or New York but it's like I'm that's not going to be the end all be all it's going to be writing 
and fucking making. Because I think, maybe you can attest this, but when you hit, like, that late 20s, early 30s mark, it's like, you know, it's like it's time. Like, it's right. it's time to, like, like I was, I was doing what I loved before then, but it's like, now it's time to, like, not just see something on a fucking page. Like, it's right. time to go make it. And if you got to struggle here and there with it if you need to like figure it out as you go if you need to like adjust things here and there like i said like don't be afraid to go fail and and what have you then you just go so when i came back that was like a big thing like it's time to to write and to write with the mindset of this will be getting made if not you know within the month you know that's little you know within the month to a year soon it's gonna be getting made you know and that was like the falls was was like a big thing like just you know, I saved a bunch of money, left A&E, and was like, I'm going to make at least three seasons of this fucking show. I'm going to make the Lilac Plan stuff. I'm going to help other people, like, make what they want to make. I'm going to collaborate more with my friends and try to get them into making shit with me. Um, and once you have that little army, you know, two or three or four devoted people, yeah. um, you'd be shocked, like, what you can do. You know, like, you don't need... Um, you know, a building full of all of the of experts to make stuff. It'd be great if you had it, but you get that little army of people that are like you and are willing to, like, get up at five in the morning to, like, scrape ice off their car right. to go shoot this fucking dumb sequence by the bridge or whatever, you know, like... It's a labor of love. Yeah, and, like, you'll get addicted to it and you'll be happier doing that shit um, and traveling and having experience. That's another thing that's really important, too, if you're going to write and create as you need experiences um and so just focusing more on that instead of like some you know i say it like like be your own expectation like be you know it sounds douchey but be what you want to fucking be like yeah. like don't worry about uh but be you know but you know don't worry about uh you know i gotta get this so i can get this so i can own this like just if you want that go get it but yeah. if you know if you want to do this just go just go fucking do it how'd you like living in la I liked it. I mean, I think it's it's awesome out there. Like, um, I don't want to call it like a second home, but yeah. like I've taken, I lived out there for like a year, and I've taken a million trips out there. And Where'd you live? I was in Burbank for a while. Okay. I was then like in Montrose, which is like a little bit. Uh, it's like a suburb or a section of Glendale, so you're kind of in the foothills. Um, I love Burbank. I think Burbank is like it kind of blew my mind when I first went out there because like it's like just imagine like the city or, or like the town of Poughkeepsie with like palm trees and shit like it's it feels like a very accessible place like I think living near the city we're used to like this Goliath of a fucking town right and you go out there and everything is very spread out yeah, um, it's, weird. it's like someone took like like the island of Manhattan in the boroughs and just chucked it at the planet and it just <laughs> spread the fuck out everywhere because yeah. it's still a lot of shit and the traffic's terrible and it's very it can get congested but you can go like you can make two or three lefts and you're in downtown and you're surrounded by skyscrapers right. and you make two or three more lefts and like you're in a fucking like field somewhere like it's very yeah. spread out you can find little nooks and stuff here like the beaches are phenomenal like going south of la like anaheim san diego to me is like is like paradise like mm. that to me is like the greatest that whole ride from la to san diego if you can hit hit it without traffic which is rare but if you can is like the best but burbank is just cool because like it's it's a suburban town and you just drive down a road and there's Warner Brothers and you make a left and there's Disney. And then like you're, again, I think it's in that New York brain where everything is like this bigger than life Goliath town. Yeah. It's like there's somebody mowing their lawn in like a little raised ranch house or whatever. And then next to them is like Disney. So it's right. like, it's, it's so, it, that blew my mind when I first went out there. I was like, holy shit, like there's not, uh, 
you know, it, it felt very accessible and it felt, you know, like it, like it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like, the, it's like the least it's, it's, it's very similar to New York and that there's a lot of East coast transplants out there and stuff. Right. And there is an East coast vibe, but like, it feels very, um, I don't know. Like when you go to New York city, there is that not, I don't want to say intimidation factor, but it's a huge fucking place. And right. I think when you go out to LA, there's just, there's very little of that. It's just very like, fuck. Like it just, it's a bunch yeah. of like little cities spread out over this fucking, uh, you know, this landscape, you don't feel like it's just this massive uh, kind of hub of shit, even though it can feel like that with, like, the traffic and stuff. You know, it's like there's, holy shit, you know, like the traffic is horrific out there. Like, it is really bad. That was the one thing I would say, like, this sucks. If they could fix the traffic, then... <laughs> <laughs> then uh, No, I totally get what you're saying. It's like walking out of Grand Central, and it's just like all of a sudden there's fucking 20 million people and the buildings are yeah. 20 miles high. And that's awesome. The city's a great yeah. fucking place, and, like, uh, the more you go to it, the more you get used to it, and, it's, and it has so much to offer, and it's great, but I definitely would prefer, if not the Hudson Valley, then, then Los Angeles. I think if San Diego was, like, an hour closer to L.A., I think San Diego would be, like, you know, that that to me is, like, the greatest city in the world. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just phenomenal. I uh, yes, because uh, yeah, we went out in October and we wanted to move out there. Oh, nice man! And uh, it, we fell in love with it. And uh, we we drove up the coast. We went to Santa Barbara. Yep, also amazing. Yep, went to like Malibu and shit. And uh, but yeah, um, we're actually heading back in uh, October. Perfect. We want to go like check out some neighborhoods and shit. Yeah, dude, October's but, a good time to go. Like I usually go this time of year actually because a it's pilot season, but also like I love the idea of traveling a lot in like April and May, and yeah. then coming back here. You know, I have spring, summer, and fall right. to look forward to. Like mm-hmm. I'm the furthest fucking away from winter yeah. that I can be. <laughs> um, and just the idea of coming back to like good weather is really cool. And um, yeah, dude, Malibu's phenomenal. Like, Malibu and, like, Topanga Canyon and stuff. That, the very first trip I took out there, I drove across-country with my... I mean, it was the when I moved out there. It was, like, the third or fourth trip I took, and I drove across with my brother. And uh, that was one of the first places we went was, like, Topanga Canyon. And um, it's just guys selling strawberries on the side of the road, yeah. and there's the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And you're just like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like, it's just... An, and you realize, like, there's different ways to live. You know, like, there's not... Not that there aren't miserable people in L.A. There, there's a million of them. Sure. But you come from, I think, the Northeast, and I think you realize, like, well... You, I think there's, like, almost like an unspoken thing where it's, like, you're just miserable a lot. And, yeah. Like, whether it's the weather or whatever the fuck. And you get that vibe a lot in New York City, too, where it's, like, everyone's got a walk fast and, like, put on this air of shit. And, not, again, not to knock New York City, it's great, but it's, like... And then not that there isn't obviously fake shit in L.A. There's a million fake, fake, you know, motherfuckers out there. But it's like, there's just something, too, about, like, you know, San Pedro and, and some of those, like, ocean towns where you're just like, holy fuck, man. Like, you don't have to live. Like, there's a million different ways to live, you know? Like, or you, like, you know, go somewhere. Like, I was in Dallas last year. And, you know, it's like, holy shit. Like, you know, there's, like, there's so many different ways to live. And, again, that goes back to that experience thing about writing and creating and you realize like yeah dude like you, like there's different ways to approach things and shit but but yeah one of my first experiences out there was the penga canyon and i was i kind of fell in love i was like this is fucking this is great do you think that in order to work in the you know fucking quote-unquote movie industry you need to live there um i think if you want to write for like tv and be an established tv writer or established screenwriter you got to spend at least some time out there um I would recommend to anybody like to to 
go out there for at least pilot season, spend a year out there, live out there for a year or two, even if it's just to test whatever the fuck. Um, it's not for everybody, that's for sure. Some people are way more East Coast, New York City types. Some are neither. Um, I think if you want to be, like, really super established and you just want to go right for TV, you know, um, you can. If you want to act and really get famous and, and you really love just the idea of being an actor it depends on on how you want to approach it like there's a million people that work in the theater that can live around here in new york city because new york city is still the mecca for theater and you know if you want to be a playwright you know chicago and new york city are kind of that's changing but chicago new york are still you know the, the meccas for that stuff um to to be a screenwriter though and to be established and to really make a great living yeah you gotta spend i don't know if you have to live out there but you gotta spend some time out there um but again i think so much of that shit like we were saying before about the run times on with the internet and stuff so much of that is constantly changing where it just seems like i mean steven soderbergh just said like i think he's i mean he said it a little while ago but it's still some recent news like he's i think just done working in the studio system yeah. and it's just gonna like self fund stuff or use kickstarter or use gofundme or or indiegogo and just start making his own shit and if he works in established mediums it'll be in tv but you know he's just gonna go make his shit and i just think like i think that to me is 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 more the future and also like you never want to put yourself in a box too you never want to you never want to use it as an excuse to not challenge yourself to go somewhere and be like well fuck them i'm just gonna go sit you know in my room and right and I'll be in my own machine that's also not healthy you need to go and it's good to go somewhere and like and and to like pitch and to and to fight for your idea in front of a room of people that have no idea what you're talking about and that's really healthy too so I think you need both but at the end of the day like if you're your own machine like that's fucking awesome just don't use that like as an excuse like that's the one trap I always try to remind myself is like yeah be your own machine but still keep traveling still keep trying to pitch stuff don't just think small in terms like well i'll write this and shoot this next year write that project that you need money for or you need to go pitch to somebody because it's healthy like like it'll make you a better writer you know it'll challenge you more um but yeah i mean at the but at the end of the day like if you're your own machine and you and you're challenging yourself still that you find that happy medium of like i'm making my own shit I mean, go for it, you know, and if you need to use the LA route or the New York route, go for it. But I mean, like if you're a playwright, I would say too, like Chicago is great or even, even LA and San Diego have like, have, are getting, I've heard anyways, you know, better and burgeoning like theater scenes. So like, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a priority for you, you'll find like a way, you know, even if you fail a lot or you don't get quite there, you're going to make inroads if you, as long as it's a priority. Is there any advice you'd give someone, a screenwriter who's trying to set up an interview or a pitch meeting or something like that? Um, I don't know. Again, like, you know, I'm learning a lot of this shit myself, you know, like I'm nobody, you know, like I'm learning a lot myself. I, I would say the one thing, like a one, a good broad piece of advice, and this is ironic because it's a form of advice. Um, but like, remember when I graduated from college, a, a student asked one of my teachers, she was like, you know, what should I do? Like as a writer, what should I do? And he had said um will never take he said never take people's advice which ironically is a form of advice but that always stuck with me and his main point was like you know people when they give you advice are going to rewrite their own mistakes usually and your mistake or your fuck up or your failure your whatever 
could be the the rocket fuel or the thing that kind of unlocks whatever the fuck for you so like don't necessarily think like this person said this so i have to go do a to do b to do c like go find your own path and that might take 10 years it might take forever but when you get there you're gonna get there and like you're really gonna get there you know like you, when you find it there's gonna be no doubt and you're just gonna take off and you're gonna go instead of trying to find all these other ways that people told you and do and right. and stuff so make your own path yeah my advice would be like don't take people's advice like be a fucking prick like yeah. don't be afraid to say no to things like like saying yes to things is really important like you want experiences don't close yourself off don't live in a box travel do all that shit but it's it's okay to say no to shit you know it's okay to be like um you know i'm not gonna do that like i can't possibly have a girlfriend a kid and a mortgage and think i have time to like write you know right. you gotta say no to those first three things for a while it sucks um not everyone's gonna agree with that but that's that's my kind of experience in terms of pitching and interviewing i mean never wait for like a perfect moment you know like don't be afraid to walk into a fucking place and, yeah. and like if they say get the fuck out it they say get the fuck out yeah. like you're not gonna die at least you know you yeah like don't be afraid to like to cold call you know like i'm a huge wrestling fan and i had an interview like a long time ago now to write for wwe and like they didn't hire me they, you know they asked to see more samples and shit they you know it went nowhere but the lesson of that was like it took me a year and a half to get that interview yeah. but it was just relentlessly calling this like headhunter and then he passed me up to someone else passed me up to somebody else who got me the fucking interview be persistent yeah so it's just like don't stop and don't wait on perfect and don't think like the, the hot chick at the bar is going to come walk to you or right. the hot guy like you, you know just don't wait for that perfect fucking moment like just go and um when you're on the end of the diving board just jump because i think the moment you think you're you gotta think you gotta plan but like that's the one thing the one recurring lesson along with others is just too much planning and thinking it's just paralysis by analysis kind of you know like just go for it that's a deep answer dude do you do any yeah. uh, meditation or anything like that um no not into that no um i have a friend in california that's huge into that shit that's nuts um with it william preston if you're listening um i love you um he like he loves that stuff um and he's you know he's i mean i think i think you need a certain type of like i guess mindset for it and not that like you need to be like a wax job to do it like he's not he's a he's a great dude um I think it just helps him kind of relax and stuff. And I get totally get the merits in it yeah. and, and what have you. Um, I'm a big fan of like, I guess if you could, I mean, instead of meditation, it's walking and hiking and yeah. being outside constantly. It's kind of a form of meditation. It is like the best yeah. thing in the world. Like, um, I think too, like if you're writing, you know, sitting at a computer and writing is obviously you have to do that. But the whole thinking and developing part I think needs to be done with some type of action, whether it's pacing, whether it's throwing a baseball up and down in your hand, whether it's hiking, whether it's driving, whether it's whatever. It could be everyday routine you do, going to the bank, like the ideas and stuff in the, in the development of it come as you are doing things. Yeah. And again, there's all types of science too behind that, how when you walk, your, your brain produces this, how when you burn more calories and hike or run, your, ba your brain produces more of this, so you can think clearer. So do things you know like life is action you know like it's uh so keep moving it's got to be kinetic yeah keep moving travel your ass off yeah. you know um don't be a fucking afraid to like hop on a fucking airplane and go somewhere now it's easier said than done and half the fucking country's poor and you know and like no one has money but it's like 
don't be afraid to just go. And I think action and constant motion are how you develop stuff and you write stuff. Um, and everyone's different. You know, some people can sit on their ass and think of something. You know, it's great. But if you're not in a writer's room collaborating right. and you're doing it on your own, action is, like, really key, you know. Big wrestling fan. Uh, mm. You know, it's kind of like a male soap opera, right? And that's so I yeah. guess what you would be that position was for writing basically the storylines. Yeah, the- I, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of it was like, was just writing for, for the show and stuff. I tell all my friends who are wrestling fans because they like, you know, it's great talking about, you know, like we talk about TV or whatever, movies. You know, to me, it's just like a play. Like, that's all yeah. it is. Like, it's not, like, they say, like, they make TV um, or they're like, it's sports entertainment. To me, like, it's a play. Like, yeah. it's just... I exit agree. stage left, exit stage right. I come out to my monologue, you come out. I turn to the audience just like Shakespeare. You right. have an aside that only the audience is intended to hear. Then the guy comes out and says, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a play. Like, it's it's Shakespeare. Like, when it's done right, it's the best thing in the world. Um, when it's done terribly, it fucking sucks. and Everyone makes fun of it. Yeah. Um, but it's a play. And I wish, like, just being a fan, like, they did more of that. Like, they just realized, like, this is a play. Right. Like, that you're not... They have, I mean, WWE has, if you watch this most most recent uh, WrestleMania that happened a couple weeks ago, their production value is unmatched. Like, their production value, their stage, their everything. I did watch uh, the Royal Rumble. Yeah. That. I don't know if that was a precursor. Because you used to have to pay for WrestleMania. I guess you don't have to do that. Well, now you have the WWE Network. Okay. For, I'm going to help plug them, too, for nine nine <laughs> for nine ninety nine a month. You get it all. Yeah, hopefully they throw something <laughs> my way. Maybe they'll hire me. Um, yeah. yeah, like, so with pay-per-view, that's... We were talking about shit that changes. Pay-per-view yeah. is one of those things that has changed like a motherfucker, especially with WWE. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I subscribe to the WWE Network, and I get, like, this massive catalog of old-school shit, original shows. And you get every – that includes all the monthly pay-per-views they do. But their production value is insane. Like, it's on it's – it's like the NFL, the UFC. They can say whatever they want. They copy the fuck out of them. Like, it's unrivaled what they fucking do. Um but I just love it when it's a, when it's a play when they don't overthink shit and overbook shit and it's just you know it's 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 just when that works it's fucking it's awesome like it's music and I think like when it's just overdone and and, and there's too much shit going on and it's just it's it's a play and I think I love that you know uh, about them those guys uh, do the, are the are the characters still as good as they were back in the day because like. I feel like you know you back in the day you had the Undertaker and like who just wrestled his last Mania match, I which, saw that. which is fucking nuts. Dude. Yeah, like uh, he was like we were like six when he did premiered. He, did he win? <laughs> he lost, which is okay. a whole other fucking podcast. Because he's won every <laughs> WrestleMania right that he's been in. Except, well, this is his second loss. His oh, record, second his record's loss. twenty-three and two. He lost. Oh, okay. to, he lost to Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns in this most recent match. He lost to Roman Reigns, oh, okay. and it was it was a. Uh, it was a pretty great mania. It was a it was a fucking awful match, and it was hopeful. I'm hoping he's done with mania, but they still give him another match along the line at some point. Why do they? I feel like they do that with the big stars. They make them lose the last couple ma- like well, I Bret mean, Hart or something. like that. I mean, that. it's cool if the stars give back. Like a lot of these part timers that work part time schedules, it's always cool if they give back. But like a, the it has to make sense, and b, the match has to be good. So yeah. if you want to give back, great. Or if you want to pass the torch, great. But you better like again, you better tell. A great fucking story you better right. tell a great play yeah. um i think the characters are still really good there's a lot of interesting characters that they have now like bray wyatt's really interesting and um you know they they have some interesting stuff going on for sure um but at the end of the day like it's just you know 
the characters I like on there the most are, are guys where you can tell like, and I try to do this a lot with like the falls. It's like you can tell there's there's like Steve Austin back in the day yeah. or The Rock. You can tell like that character is a character, but it's not that far off from something that they really are in real life. Like the kernel yeah. of that character is them. It just has says someone as as other people who podcast and do stuff about wrestling have said you know it's them with the volume turned way up you know so makes sense that's what i love and when you let people just kind of be who they are and then adjust here and there turn the volume up change this change that but they're still kind of that person still that's awesome that's not going to happen with every person whether it's a wrestler an actor right uh, someone you're shooting with for a show or whatever the case is you know that's not always going to happen but sometimes if the stars align and you do have that it's fucking magic, you know, like it's great. Um, and so that's what, I, I mean, the characters that last period, not just in wrestling, but in any show, I think those, are, they have that in common for sure, you know. Cool, man. Uh, I wanted to ask you also about the music on your show. Um, where, who, who writes that music? Well, The Falls is like very raw and like simple and minimalist. So there's, I mean, the trailers have had some music, but the yeah. show itself has no music. The stuff with Lilac Plant and The Cure, just about all the music on anything I do is done by Lou Granari, who's amazing. Okay. And um, he does, like, I think he actually started, like, his, one of his first loves, I think, is music. So, like, I could tell him to, like, I could give him, like, the most vague, dumb, because I had no, I know jack shit about music. I just know, like, yeah, that works. Let's use that. Um, I can give him the most vague description of, like, I want this, but it needs to sound like this within two or three senses, and he'll be very close to it. Cool. Um, so, yeah, like, that to me is, like, you know, I use him, like, for, for basically everything. Um, the thing with music, too, I think is, like, and this is something we always talk about when we were making, like, like Barry, the thing we are going to screen, which is, like, like music should almost be like that. Uh, I the stuff that I like is when it's almost, like, you like, the music should not cue an emotion like if you watch a scene between two people say we're talking and there's a revelation that you get like you get that revelation and then the music comes in so the you know what i'm saying so the music shouldn't like like cue like hey feel fucking this way now because right. that that to me is like sitcom soap opera shit where it's like almost like the laugh track pause now. Yeah. right almost like the laugh track cues you feel this way now laugh yeah. this way <laughs> be sad now where it's like you should get it first and the music almost acts you know almost acts like a almost like a like a warm blanket almost or like a little push to you like yep you're on the right path you got it go for it like you should feel this way cool so yeah lose great lose amazing with that shit uh what's next um volume three of the falls is getting edited now um hopefully way more in the coming weeks it'll be out i hope in late july at the absolute latest um i'm helping Lou and Keith do the second half of season one of Cure coming up in the next few weeks. Um, we're shooting a couple shorts to enter in some contests that will be out soon. Um, there's an awesome show I'm doing with a friend of mine, uh, Ted Bohizek, who's hilarious and awesome, called The Cooking Giant, which will be out very shortly, and there'll be a bunch of stuff on Facebook and all that about that soon. Really funny comedy um, that I made with him. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like there'll be more lilac plant stuff in late summer early fall we're hoping it's just working out uh, scripts and shooting schedules and whatnot and that to me is like the key is like just like we said before you know like don't stop like yeah. just keep keep going and if it like if you can hit that that you know that mountain peak of the mountain moment great but then still keep going like you know like don't 
don't be afraid to like pause here and there but don't stop like that that's the key like you like i think it's good to pause and realize fuck am i writing the same script again right or am i repeating myself again certain things are good to repeat like themes and if the show is about a certain theme yeah you want to repeat that but you always want to stop and be like fuck did i write that before or fuck is this the same thing that i just did last year am i just writing to write and sometimes you got to be careful of of that too you know well we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. We talked about wrestling. Talk we didn't talk about Doctor Who. Uh, would you like to talk about Doctor <laughs> Who? <laughs> well, I see on your on your thing you guys do a lot of like Doctor Who trivia and stuff and uh Oh, well, what have you? Or actually, do you still? Well, there's a restaurant in Beacon called the Pandorica. Yep. Uh, yep. which is a Doctor Who themed restaurant. Yeah. And they um, advertise in the Hudson Valley Transmitter. Yeah. And we're a big fan of their restaurant. Dope. So whenever they have an event, we like to share it and help them promote it. Cool. Uh, so I think, uh, did they have the season premiere? They did. They yeah. did. They did last uh, Saturday, which was cool. Yeah. I know that was a big thing for them. Um, but yeah, Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, dude. There's like, I love like the spring because usually a lot of great shows come back. Like I think tonight we're recording this on the 19th, but I think like Fargo comes back tonight. I don't know if you watch Fargo. Awesome show. That's a great example of uh, actually a reboot or a remake or whatever, even though it's not a remake. It's a movie that became a TV show that, that works. That's awesome. Definitely check it out if you guys haven't. But yeah, I just remember you, I saw that. I always see your, uh, like your news feed and stuff with them. And I need to go to one of those for Doctor Who. Yeah, definitely check out Pandorica. Yeah. They're great. Um, but anything else you wanted to talk about while I have you here, man? Um, I guess that's it. I mean, anything else you want to cover, we can. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, if you just go to YouTube, The Falls, Ryan Skinner, and we'll come right up. At The yeah. R Skinner is my Twitter. Um, Nailed the Network on YouTube is, uh, you'll find all the stuff on there. The Falls series on Facebook. I mean... Um, and you know, to everyone out there, definitely check out the transmitter. Cause I just saw a lot of the stuff you just recently did. It was pretty great. Thanks man. Am I the second, where am I in order of the podcast? Cause I saw, I have to listen to the rest of it, but yeah. I saw your other podcast up there with what's his name. Uh, um, well th you're actually the ninth podcast. The ninth. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I knew I was a few, uh, yeah, we're getting up least. into double digits. Sweet man. Who was the guy you had on last? I saw on the website you had uh, Amy Madeline was the last person we had. Okay, on. who was the guy I saw in January? It oh, was like gosh. a was it a uh, Tony Pena? Tony Pena was actually the first person. First we had. guy. Okay, yeah. cool. And uh, he is a poet. He's the Beacon's poet laureate. Yeah, I saw that. Now yeah. that was going to be my opening line. Like yeah. I've never followed a poet laureate before, but <laughs> I'm technically not following him. So he's uh, he's an awesome guy because he's more in the vein of like the beat poets. Like, nice. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, more like kind of rugged. You know, like not rugged. That's not the right word. But like a, you know uh, the rock and roll poets. You know what yep. I'm saying? The punk rock poets. Yep. Um, you know. Because people sometimes have a, a different view of poetry. Yeah. You know, his book, it's actually, he gave me a copy of it. It's called Blood and Beats in Rock and Roll. Nice. Uh, you know, he's just, uh, he's a real, like, kind of a punk rock poet, which is it's really fucking cool. And that's why, um, you know, we had him on and he submitted some work to us we, that we published. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely a good friend of the, a friend of the transmitter, man. He's, his nice. poetry is, is what's up. It's, he's really nice. fucking good. Are you a fan of George Bukowski? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I recently like got back into all, a lot of his stuff. And he's I forgot how fucking awesome he is. Hell yeah. Yeah. I forgot he died. Like again, a nineties yeah. kid thing. It's been like twenty years plus since he's died now. Um, but man, that guy was he was cool. Yeah. Um 
poetry could really take you like some yeah. transcendental place. Yeah. You know, if you read a good poem. And uh, I got into it because like, you know, in the 90s, like a lot of the alternative rock that I grew up listening to, the the lyrics are like poem. You know, they're yeah. po- it's poetry. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just kind of poetry to music. And that's how I got into it. And, um, you know, I used to write poetry in school and shit. And my teachers thought I needed like counseling or whatever. <laughs> I was trying to like, you know, emulate Kurt Cobain or something. But um, that was the thing about the 90s, too, man. Like people like, like we had like really simple, stupid problems to yeah. worry about. It was like this kid like is weird. OK, whatever. Now it's like, you know, it just seems like our problems have maximized yeah. more and more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, hey, if a teacher says you need counseling, maybe that's a sign that you're on the right path. <laughs> right. You know, so fuck it. I think I did something right. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. I really appreciate you coming in. I uh, do. Everyone's got to check out the falls. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, next episode. When is that? At? Um, right now it'll be late July. Volume three will be up. But if you go to the to the homepage now again, just type in the falls. Ryan okay. Skinner. The falls gift is the name of the first episode. Yeah. Um, you'll see like the homepage and stuff. The falls series on Facebook. Sweet. Um, you'll see a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff that we just started putting out. So 1 and 2 have been out for a little while. Um, there's a teaser up for Volume 3, and right now we're just putting up a bunch of cool behind-the-scenes stuff and commentary awesome. tracks and stuff. But Volume 3 will be up in late July. Awesome, dude. Cool. Thank you, bro. Yeah, no, thanks for coming in, man. Awesome. All right. Peace out, Transmodians.